In this episode, we'll be talking about the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. We'll be talking about all of our favorite sports to watch on the screen and through the lens of TikTok. The athletes championing for mental health awareness and the communications industry reacting to these expectations, both in the workplace and when advertising. You're listening to the Agency's Comment Podcast. Welcome back to the Agency's Podcast Comment. I'm Richie. And I'm Aiden. Uh, summer's almost over and the Olympics are the best finale. Um, today we're really excited because we're going to talk all things happening in the village from Olympics TikTok, which I know we all love, um, to Simone Biles and much more. So Richie, let's get started. First thing that comes to my mind is just like the branding in and of itself. It's 2021 and yet we are having the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. What... <laughs> It's, it's the most confusing thing to me and also, like, the most aggravating. It, it really is. Like, I love the branding for this year's Olympics, but at the same time, I'm watching it and it all feels false, you know? <laughs> it feels like we're traveling back a year. And I know 2020 was a weird year, but the branding, the visuals, it's just, like, too perfect. It's a shame. Right, right. And I feel like 2020 was probably, like, one of the worst years, and it's just so consistent and the branding but I mean I, I can understand it you know like you get all that branding it's it's really hard to develop that they've probably been working on that since they got their Olympic bid years ago because countries when they get their Olympic bids are waiting years before the Olympics actually happen so they probably had this branding for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics at least in like 2014 and so I wouldn't blame them honestly for not changing it it just kind of is weird the way that that's happening but all in all I think the the branding is, is absolutely beautiful um, and although it is 2020 I think that it still has given the best Olympic vibes possible if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I absolutely do. And I know I saw some, I believe it was published by Statista or the New York Post, where the Tokyo Olympics are estimated to lose about $30 billion in American money, which is like $640 billion Japanese yen, which is an insane amount of money, especially when the Olympics are supposed to be this huge fundraiser for the country that hosts it. I know just from Japan's point of view, this is such a loss, it really just hurts their economy and it's such a shame. It's supposed to drive tourism, really bring people to their country who might not otherwise go. Right, 100%. I think that's always the issue that comes with Olympic. Like, no matter how the branding is, what you do, um, sometimes it just doesn't work out the way that was planned. But I think that we can all agree still that the Olympics, despite the crazy year that we've had and the probably the crazy last few weeks for all of the athletes there, has truly been incredible. And just to see a lot of the sportsmanship and the energy and things things from athletes coming out about, you know, mental health issues. It's just been a really important topic to cover and it's really important to shed light on. So I think that's a really exciting positive that's come out of the Olympics. But let's talk our favorite parts first. I feel like we can't start an Olympics podcast without talking about our favorite parts, our favorite sports. So Richie, like, what are your favorite events? Anything that's happened? Tell me everything. I play tennis and volleyball. So those are my sports. I watch those as they come out religiously. And then I have a cousin who swims for the Bahamas. His name's Isaac. So we were watching him and cheering him on. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Did he, like, win any medals? He he sadly didn't medal, but he did finish fifth place in the 100 breaststroke. And then he finished 13th place in the 200 freestyle. 
So still made it to the Olympics, which is an insane accomplishment. We're so proud of them. Yeah, I don't think that the average everyday person can say that they made it to the Olympics. So just have that on his record is honestly incredible. But congrats to him. That's awesome. I would say I've definitely been watching a lot of swimming as well. I know we've got a lot of UF alum, our current UF students, who are swimming for the Olympics. People like Caleb Dressel, obviously, have been watching him. I've also been really into gymnastics. I feel like gymnastics, all eyes have kind of been, especially on the women's side, you know, with everything that happened with Simone Biles and just kind of putting the spotlight on the other members of Team USA, especially, I feel like has been really awesome to see because obviously every member of the team is super valuable. But I think that because of Simone's performance levels, everyone's always looking at her and she's amazing. But I think that it was also really nice to see some other gymnasts, you know, get that attention and get medals like Suni and Michaela and Jade. So I'm really happy for them. I think that it was really awesome. Definitely. And all of the women's gymnastics team are absolutely phenomenal. They love watching them. And I know we're going to talk more about kind of Simone Biles' situation in a second and Sumi Lee and the others on the American team who have kind of been affected by Simone Biles' choice to exit some events for her mental health. But definitely gymnastics is a hot spot. And then just as a tennis fan, I know Naomi Osaka's situation as well has kind of put those two sports in the spotlight. Yeah, I think that the spotlight has definitely been on tennis and gymnastics for sure. You know, you look at social media, I know I'm scrolling through TikTok and not only am I seeing all of the um, really funny Olympic TikToks, but, you know, the videos of all the gymnasts and tennis players' performances and just all the athletes' performances. But um, I think Olympic TikTok has probably been one of my favorite parts because I feel like we've never had such a deep understanding of all of these sports and to kind of get them behind the scenes from all the athletes who have their TikTok account is awesome. Like I know I've seen a lot of stuff from Sumi Lee. I've seen a lot from members of like the Australian women's swimming team and stuff like that. And so I think that's been really cool. Have you seen any Olympic TikTok? Because I feel like they're the only thing that's on for you page lately. Oh, absolutely. I um, I know you talk about like a lot of the swimmers, but again, huge fan of volleyball. And so I've been following the men's US volleyball team as well as some Australian volleyball players. And it's so interesting, everything from like their day-to-day with like their workout sessions and the transition of kind of traveling from the U.S. to Japan and them having to go through the whole vaccine check situation as well as you know the whole cardboard bed debate has been hilarious. I know there's tons of TikToks with these kind of giant 6'5 um, <laughs> guys jumping on these cardboard beds and them not breaking or doing whatever stupid activities that they do. And then I personally am a huge fan of food as well. So they've been posting kind of what they get to eat and there's kind of this different buffet sections and that's been pretty interesting. I know one of the US volleyball team members kind of post what he eats every day. Um, and that's been kind of interesting to see him change from, you know, Japanese culture back to American food, back to, you know, French food and all the different selections that they have, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that seeing a lot of those, like what I eat in a day videos or, you know, what I do in a day videos, it's fun to see the Olympians kind of put their own twist on that. Because again, all of those videos are super big on TikTok. I feel like they've been trending for so long, especially in the summer 
summer. Everyone's been trying to do their daily vlogs and everything like that. But to get it from the Olympic perspective, I think it's really unique and it shows in the amount of engagement that they've gotten on all of those videos and just like how popular they've become. So it's definitely going to be a big loss once the Olympics are over. We're not going to have Olympic TikTok anymore, but it's been an amazing, what is it, month now of Olympic TikTok. So yeah, yeah, um, save it, save it for the memories, I guess. But, um, <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit because I know that Richie, you had brought up um, Naomi Osaka earlier and I feel like her experience has been so valuable as a lesson for people and, and as a lesson for brands. So since you're such a big tennis fan, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that first and, you know, your perspective on everything that's happened with her. Absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone who does not know the situation, essentially Naomi withdrew from the competition after she was fined $15,000 for skipping a news conference after her first round victory. So it's this huge kind of punishment for something that she felt wasn't necessary and that she didn't want to do. I know she had mentioned that she does these news conferences regularly, especially as someone who's leading kind of the tennis conversation, especially in the women's. But she had said that she gets asked the same questions over and over. And after playing for an hour, hour and a half, doesn't want to be answering the same questions. And I believe she has this quote, it says, it has become apparent to me that literally everyone either suffers from issues related to their mental health or knows someone who does. The number of messages I received from such a vast cross-section of people confirms that. I think we can almost universally agree that each of us is a human being and subject to feelings and emotions. And so she says that she experienced anxiety before speaking to the media. She had revealed that she suffered bouts of depression. I don't know. It's someone that we put on a pedestal and we believe, no, she can do no wrong, but she's still a human being. And that has to be a struggle for her. I mean, she mentioned it herself, but definitely something that myself is just a college student who kind of plays tennis recreationally cannot even imagine what she goes through before and after a match. A hundred percent. And I think that something that I don't think that a lot of people consider, especially in our industry, in the media industry, in communications, the amount of coverage and questions that an athlete or any other person gets, it can be draining to like be in that spotlight all the time and not only to be in the spotlight all the time, but, you know, to potentially replay a match in your head that maybe didn't go the way that you want. And you have to repeat that match over and over again to every single news reporter at every single press conference, to every single magazine, and there's really no end in sight. And that's really, really hard. I think that for someone like her and for probably a lot of athletes, it's really hard to compartmentalize those feelings when they're constantly being brought up to you in questions and you constantly have to go on your phone every day and see them on Instagram and Twitter and just on the news, you turn on the TV and it's all you see. And uh, there's actually a quote from the U.S. Davis Cup captain, Marty Fish, who had actually pulled out of the 2012 U.S. Open when he had a panic attack before he was supposed to face Roger Federer. And he talks about how this is an issue for a lot of athletes. Um, so he said, quote, I'm sure there's quite a few people struggling more than we know. There have been plenty of players that have had some mental health issues, whether you know it or not. I have spoken to many players over the last eight or nine years that you've heard of some up-and-coming players, some college players, male and female, that have struggled with that type of stuff. It is prevalent in sports and certainly prevalent in such an individual sport, end quote. 
And I think that that it's a really sobering quote to hear that this happens to every kind of athlete. You could be in college, you can be an Olympian, you could be the best Olympian there ever was, and you still have all these issues to face. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, maybe how this would be different if, you know, the media wasn't so prevalent in our everyday society. Like, this is how we get all of our Olympic coverage. This is how we get all of our news now. And, you know, what would happen if it was taken out? Would it affect the athletes positively? It's really strange, but it's also really nice to see that um, Olympians and other athletes are starting to put themselves first. I know Simone Biles has done the same thing. Um, Richie, I don't know, have you gotten the chance to hear Simone's story? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, Aiden, I definitely have not kept up with gymnastics as much as, you know, tennis, but it's been really interesting to kind of hear about Simone's situation and what she goes through. I really didn't even know that this was a thing that they experienced, but she talked about the twisties, which basically affects someone's sense of balance and sense of positioning in the air, which obviously when you're doing flips and different kind of twirls, that's super important to make sure that you're not landing on anything other than your feet. So just for her physical and mental safety, it makes total sense that she would want to step out of the competition because as much as we love her, we love her, you know, winning medals for the United States, it's more important that she stays safe and uninjured so that she can compete more in the future. Yeah, I think it's really important, not only as PR professionals who might represent clients one day who are athletes and, you know, just people in the public eye and having this perspective on how important their mental health is. But I think also as advertising professionals, it's really important to have this in mind, especially when creating advertisements or campaigns um, and having that authenticity and potentially partnering with athletes. Um, Richie, I don't know, have you seen any partnerships uh, with brands or anything about brands that has really like resonated with you over the past few weeks? I mean, absolutely, especially as these kind of conversations are coming to light and people are accepting these conversations in society. Um, I know I've seen Nike, which has always been a big proponent of kind of giving athletes voices to talk about things other than the sports that they participate in. But Nike partnered with athletes to kind of speak more openly about mental health and sports. They released their new Air Max shoes called In My Feels, and it was advertised by different athletes where they were talking about their feelings on different topics and social justice movements and mental health and other types of things that affect their personal life, which is really cool insight to know that Michael Jordan, who's an amazing basketball player, also has feelings about something outside of the sport that he dominates, or Serena Williams, who's an amazing tennis player, can talk about things other than just the sport that she dominates as well. And I know also ASICS had opened an initiative called Mind Uplifter, which provided before and after images of the brain across 10 different emotional and cognitive kind of traits. So, you know, happiness, sadness, stuff like that. And the tool kind of aimed to show athletes the impact of exercise on the mind. So they would do some sort of activity and then they would take that brain scan and say, you know, here's the part of your brain that lights up when you're enjoying what you're doing. Here's the part of your brain where clearly you were thinking about something else other than what was going on today. So very, very cool stuff happening. Hopefully this stuff continues into the future um, and we get some other partnerships out of the situation going on at the Olympics. 
Yeah, I have even seen kind of on the same playing field partnerships where, you know, someone like Michael Phelps, who has won so many gold medals, he's since retired and he's been super open about his mental health journey and how he even contemplated suicide after the 2012 Olympics, after he was facing severe, severe depression. I've seen a lot of his partnerships with brands like Talkspace Therapy. I'm sure that everyone has seen those commercials as well. But I think that there's definitely something to be said about having such a well-known figure and athlete speak out about stuff like that and speak out for a brand. I think that it gives a lot of credibility to the brand, but also just shows how human these people are and how it's okay to ask for help. So I think that, you know, not only the partnerships that athletes are having with brands like Nike and Asics, but also just being spokespeople for things like therapy is so meaningful and so important. And I think that all of these athletes are just doing an incredible job at not only starting this conversation, but continuing it. And I don't think that we've ever seen such a strong conversation surrounding it as we have starting in this Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's really interesting to see not only brands outside of the Olympics, but the Olympic Committee themselves listening to their stakeholders, which of course are the competing athletes and the audience. They actually have psychologists and psychiatrists on site now through an established mentally fit helpline, which is a confidential health support service available 24 hours for all three months um, during and after the games. And it offers really like 70 languages for clinical support, offering the entire world of athletes, whoever needs to talk about anything that they're going through. Apparently, this is something new that they're getting started, so it's great to hear that they are taking action with the conversations that are happening and hopefully moving forward this type of acceptance of the situation and readiness to act on it continues. Yeah, it's been super nice to see initiatives like that and to just see people all around just kind of start banding together and realizing that people like athletes and just people who are constantly in the limelight, how stuff like that affects their mental health. Um, and it makes me wonder if this might kind of transition into other industries or other parts of the workforce. You know, you take demanding careers like careers in advertising and public relations into consideration, and those can truly lead to so much burnout. And so it makes me wonder if there might be companies, especially in our industry, that might, you know, start becoming public about setting boundaries in the workplace. The demands of professionals in our field have just been increasing, and they've increased even more throughout the pandemic. And so that's been really hard to have that work-life balance. I feel like the people, not just in our industry, but in all industries. So it makes me wonder if, you know, this is going to be a conversation that's going to be had in the future when we're talking about public relations careers and advertising careers and just how demanding they can be when you are balancing and juggling so many clients and you might not have as much time to focus on your mental and physical health. I definitely think we see a shift of employers moving that way with employee benefits of you know sick days and mental health check-ins but also creating that culture of workers being able to talk to their supervisors or talk to their coworkers about situations that they're going through. Definitely, I know everyone thinks that communications can be like a fun, cool, 
hip kind of workplace, but it's definitely high stress, especially when you're working with multiple clients on multiple different accounts. Doing this kind of work can be putting these types of workers in stressful situations. And so having the ability to kind of talk about these subjects, but also act on them in a variety of ways definitely should be a shift moving more towards the future, which I think we are adopting now that we've experienced COVID and work from home. Seeing workplaces kind of adopt the ability to have their workers say, hey, you know, today's not a good day for me. I can accomplish all of my tasks by their deadlines, but I think I should not be in the office today. Yeah, and I think that it's even more important as we start to see people from our generation enter the workforce. And the way that I feel like millennials, but especially Gen Z, have shifted that conversation on mental health. And as they enter the workforce and we become the leaders of this industry, it really excites me in the ways that I think that we'll be able to increase the conversation about mental health and just talk more about why it matters in the workplace as athletes, as just people in general, as essential workers, just to have those boundaries set, it makes me really excited moving forward to see the way that we kind of increase that conversation that's already been started and hopefully make all of our workplaces better in the future. Yeah, Gen Z and other young kind of transitioning professionals definitely have the power to change workplaces for the better, for their liking. So I definitely think that as we continue to graduate, as we continue to move up in these workplaces, we should definitely see a shift towards mental health awareness.